1: I'm Nils Zacharias and you're listening to Eat for the Planet. On this show, we try to answer the question, how can we eat in a way that nourishes us without starving the planet? The show features conversations with food industry leaders, health and sustainability experts, as well as entrepreneurs and creative minds who are redefining the future of food. This conversation with Seth Goldman was recorded live at the Plant-Based World Conference and Expo on June 8, 2019 in New York City it was the opening keynote on the second day of the expo as part of the eat for the future business forum. If you don't know who Seth is, he co-founded Honest Tea back in 1998 with the goal of developing a less sweet iced tea back when low sugar, organic, fair trade and sustainability weren't buzzwords in the food industry. But Seth believed in his mission and grew Honest Tea into a successful business which was eventually acquired by Coca-Cola. Today, low sugar beverages are in high demand amongst consumers, and restaurants like McDonald's and Wendy's offer organic drinks. And then in 2015, Seth expanded his focus to change the future of protein by joining Beyond Meat as executive chair. Since the launch of the company's flagship product, the Beyond Burger, in May 2016, it has been sold in tens of thousands of grocery stores, including Safeway, Target, Kroger, Albertsons, and Whole Foods. Beyond Meat has also been added to menus in thousands of restaurants, including national food chains like TGI Fridays and Carl's Jr., as well as a number of hotels, college dining halls, and even sports stadiums. Beyond Meat went public in May 2019 and had the most successful IPO of the year, with its stock price soaring more than 600% from its initial public offering price. This conversation covered the lessons learned by Seth Goldman along his journey with Honest Tea and Beyond Meat. Insights on what's next for Beyond Meat as they seek to redefine the meaning of meat. Thoughts on the growing plant-based food industry as well as Seth's views on the future of food. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did.
2: Thank you so much for being here, and without further ado, I'd like to introduce our opening Community Day keynote with Nil Zacharias, the founder of Eat for the Planet, and Seth Goldman, co-founder of Honest Tea and executive chair of Beyond Meat. Give him a round of applause. Thank you.
1: <laughs> there you go again. Morning. It's a place to be on Saturday morning in uh, New York City firstly um, thank you, everyone, for being here today. Thank you, Seth, for agreeing to uh, speak with us today. We couldn't have planned this better, I think, the timing-wise. <laughs> um, I would love to say we had vision, um, but we always wanted you, so I think in some sense we did have vision, but we couldn't have predicted everything else that happened leading up to this moment. Uh, so we're going to talk for about an hour. I want to make sure that... Um, it's not going to be just about Beyond Meat. It's going to be about your story, and I want people to understand what it is to be um, a food entrepreneur who's done the things that you've done and is now at this point where you can, um, you can look back at your journey and hopefully inspire many others, because I'm sure there's many entrepreneurs, inspiring entrepreneurs in this room or listening to this uh, that can learn something from it. And so... Um, Personally, thank you, and um, so let's start right in the beginning, okay? I think most people think of you as a trendsetter and a pioneer because they know you co-founded Honesty, look at him on brand, Uh, and now executive chair of Beyond Meat. Um, But I think your story started way back, and I want to go back to... um, I want you to tell me more about educated devastators. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure no one in the room knows what I'm talking That's about. Deep.
0: That's deep. <laughs> so first of all, let me just say what an um, exciting moment it is to be with this community. Uh, it is really a breakthrough moment for us as a movement uh, to be able to not just connect in uh, across restaurants and grocery stores, across markets in Europe and, and around the world, but even in the, the U.S. financial markets, which, as we all know, is such a powerful way to get people's attention. And so... Uh, this I, I think of, of today as a celebration of just this breakthrough moment for the, where we are and what we hope to see in the world. Uh, but to go back, um, the, uh, Educated Devastators was a, a rap group that um, uh, some my roommates and I created back in college. Uh, this was uh, just, I will date myself. It was you know 1986, 1985, and um, we. Uh, I'll, I'll just share with you. <laughs> Some of, the, um, some of the lines to give you a sense of what it was about. Uh, we said, um, if, if rhymes was water, this place would be flooded because all our raps are so cold-blooded. <laughs> um, we're educated devastators cutting the rhyme. Calling us whack is like committing a crime. Um, <laughs> we're educated rappers with lines so dapper that all our rhymes are Phi Beta Kappa.
1: All right. (laughs) And
0: that later took uh, life as a rap we did at Honest Tea, which was called Rethink What You Drink. Uh, And that is a video you can watch on YouTube. And I think the best line was, um, middle-aged guys rapping, what could be sadder? I'll tell you, Holmes, what you put in your bladder.
1: It's, you can see the rest of it online. <laughs> well, thank you for that. I didn't expect you to wrap, but this Whoa, is Well, I just had to, you um, for it. I teed it up. Um, but in all seriousness, the reason I, I wanted to bring that up is really to, to highlight something about you that I've learned in, um, in reading up about you and talking to people who know you well. Uh, is that you have this insane drive to do many things and you were a student athlete you worked in the investment space worked in politics of course you co-founded honesty and now at beyond meat um what pushes you to do the projects that you do
0: yeah i i really um follow my passion you know and so for me what do i care about i certainly care about the fact that uh the people in this country and around the world don't have healthy diets. The the most incriminating statistic that I keep coming back to is that uh, when the UN ranks the average life expectancy of all the countries in the world, even though the US is the um, wealthiest nation in the history of of civilization and has more knowledge of science and medicine and nutrition than any country anywhere has ever had, even though we spend more per capita on healthcare than any other country, in terms of average life expectancy, the US ranked uh, in 2017, we ranked number 33 and average life expectancy. So that is, that's a shameful um, that we've squandered our fortune like mm-hmm. that. Um, that's certainly one big imperative. The other, of course, is around environment, uh, and that uh, any indicator you look at suggests we and the way we interact with the environment is moving in the wrong direction, and we need to change that. So I take those. I'd, uh, those are two big um, concerns I have. Um, another one is just around poverty and thinking about how to address that globally. Uh, and then I think about you know, what am I thirsty for and what am I hungry for? And Because I, I have to believe in it. I have to literally have an appetite for it. Mm-hmm. And I've been very fortunate, first with a drink and then uh, with the food. I, you know, I found a way, to, an outlet for those passions.
1: Wow. And so let's talk about the drink. You, in 1998, co-founded Honesty um, at a time when uh, the popular beverages were all full of sugar, and a low-sugar beverage was just not heard of. Uh, Secondly, you had no experience in the food and beverage industry, uh, which I think is interesting because you could have a lot of people sitting in this room who probably are just curious about this space. Yeah. What gave you the confidence that you could do what you ended up doing at that point?
0: I I think uh, there was probably a lot of hubris associated Mm -hmm. with it. I don't know that um, uh, if I had known what I was going to have to do, I wouldn't (laughs) have had as much confidence. Uh, but it actually did start with a, a run in Central Park. I was here for an investment presentation. I went for a run, and after the run, I was thirsty, and I went to a beverage cooler, and yeah, everything was all. I mean, it was it was amazing. There were hundreds of options that were basically all the same, and so just felt like there should be more choice and mm-hmm. something different. Obviously, less sweet, and then organic, and then fair trade certified as well. Um, the advantage we had at Honest Tea, and it'll contrast with what we talked about with Beyond Meat, was that we started really small. Mm. So I literally made the first batches in my house, in my kitchen. I brought those to Whole Foods with uh, five thermoses of tea we made, and then got an empty Snapple bottle that we pasted a label on, and uh, <laughs> was able to convince the buyer to place an order for 15,000 bottles, which was both like, thrilling and terrifying, because I you know, knew I couldn't make that in my kitchen. Um, and we started in 17 Whole Foods stores in the Mid-Atlantic and, um, you know, literally gave out more samples than we sold. So, um, but by the end of the summer, it became the best-selling tea in those stores. And, and we were able to scale in kind of an incubated way, you know, just in those stores and then just in the natural foods channel and then just in natural channel around the country. Um, so it you know twenty one years to grow, uh, which, which you could say, depending how you look at it is a short or long time that, you know. but uh, we had the kind of convenience of being able to iterate and explore and fail um, in a relatively small way, mm-hmm. um, but we got it right and, and the other thing that has found, certainly helped us, and we 'll obviously talk about this with beyond meat as well, when you are um, making innovations that and um, our pointed future forward, where, you, where the consumer is headed, you have a huge, you get a lot, not, not a huge, but you get a lot of um, forgiveness from the customer. Mm. Um, so in the beginning, when we first made Honest Tea, you know, our, our first batches had, like, because we were using real tea leaves, and we'd have, like, an inch and a half of sediment on the bottom mm. of the bottle. And... People didn't mind that. Um, it was just sort of, they, they were with us because they liked what we were doing. Yeah. And I, you know, as I said, we'll get to that with Beyond Meat as well. In the beginning, we know our products weren't as good, certainly as good as they are now. But the people, when you're doing something that's, that matters to the future, that people can connect with, you'll get their support and they'll, they'll be faithful with you. So I think the, the best thing we had going into honesty and I think with Beyond Meat as well is when you have an authentic commitment to what you're trying to do, um, that carries you a long way and, and creates a different kind of loyalty.
1: Mm. And also, do you think it drives uh, you to push through challenges? Because, oh, it, it does, yeah. Because the, the name of the game in any food business is, uh, is, is the, the pain and the torture of scaling <laughs> a product. Yeah. And then the challenges, I know, beyond me, I'm mean, sorry, honesty faced yeah. early in the in 2000s with, uh, with uh, production problems. Yeah. Um, but eventually you push through that. Yeah. And... Was there a point, um, and of course, we'll get to the acquisition and we'll start talking about Beyond Meat soon, but was there a point where you realized that not only did you have a successful business, but you were starting to almost lead a trend where other beverage manufacturers were now realizing that organic, low-sugar, fair trade was a good thing to do?
0: Yeah, it's, it's really, you know, the passion carries you so far. I mean, I think... It's easy to, some, for someone to look at what happened over the past few weeks and say, oh, these guys are just in it for the money and, and um, there are other ways to make money. The, what, what really drives us is passion. And there's a great quote, which I'm not going to get exactly right, but I get a lot of quotes because honesty, we put them under our bottle cap. Um, and it's, it's something like, um, courage is not the absence of fear, but the feeling that some, there are things more important than fear. Mm-hmm. You know. And so this idea that when you really care about something, you'll find ways to persist. You will... Overcome the obstacles. You won't let the setbacks set you back, or, or, mm. or at least discourage you from going. So yeah, tons of challenges over the over the time uh, of building honesty, and just always renewed with that feeling like what we're doing is important. We care mm. about it, um, and and uh, that is by far the biggest driver of of actually frankly both enterprises. Yeah,
1: and so honesty in 2011 was acquired by Coca-Cola. Yeah, and that kind of marked the I wouldn't say the end, but the transition yeah. of a long journey yeah. for you personally from um, in 1998 not knowing much about food and beverage yeah. to uh, having a successful exit, which uh, a lot of food companies are looking for. Uh, at that point in time, did you, after going through the, the journey that you went through, did you have any plans to dive back into the food business? Was there... Was that something at yeah. the back of your mind?
0: So first, you know, it's interesting. I don't... Um, technically, right, our investors got an exit, but yeah. I'm still not exited. I still You're spend still half my time with Honest Tea. And, and um, I think that's important to note because, uh, once again, to go to that point, you know, if some people are in it for the money, you know, I'm in it for the mission and the impact. And, and what's neat about what's happened since the Koch acquisition is that um, we have, our scale and impact has grown so dramatically. So a lot of people say the last best day of a brand is the day before it sells mm. because then the, the mission gets diluted, the leadership leaves, and you lose the, the, the spirit and the energy. But um, with honesty, it's really been the opposite. We were in about 15,000 stores before Coca-Cola invested. We're now in over 150,000 stores. Uh, and we just launched in Europe really this year. It was just in Europe last week launching the brand there. Um, We're now carried, so, you know, obviously it's organic, low-calorie drinks, fair trade whenever it's tea or can be certified. Our drinks are now carried in places like McDonald's, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Subway. So really, uh, for millions of Americans, Honest Kids, in this case, is the first organic product they're going to drink. And it's also a low-calorie product. And when you can, this will, we'll get to this theme later, but when you can get a young person's palate acclimated to a different taste profile Mm. early on, you change the trajectory of, of what they'll consume in their, in their appetites. So it's really important to be in those types of venues. Um, so uh, for me, that's, that's kind of how I, I think about exit. What happened is that in um, 2015, our brand started to graduate up into the Coke portfolio, and it became uh, the case that there was less direct management work for me. And mm-hmm. I am very hands-on as a manager. I... I um, uh, if I'm going to be involved in something, I really want to get my feet, hands around it. And so, I knew that it was not um, going to be make sense for me to be full time at honesty if I couldn't control all the P and L, the profit and loss. So um, I arranged with Coca-Cola that I would work half time for Coca-Cola, and half time in another pursuit. And I had been on the board of Beyond Meat since 2013, mm. and had gotten deeper, more deeply involved in the company. And uh, Beyond Meat was starting to reach. And encounter new challenges as it was trying to grow, and so we agreed it made sense for me to um, become executive chair of the board, um, mm-hmm. which became an, a, another half-time job, and um, got the chance to work really closely with Ethan Brown, our CEO and founder, and think about how do we strategically grow this business. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so for me, it's been a, a really fun past four years. Of <laughs> some, my wife said, "Well, you really are working 75% of your time with Honesty and 75% of your time with Beyond Me." <laughs> I, love, I really love... Also both. on two coasts. Yeah, two coasts. That's, a, that's challenging. But I, I, I love both brands. I love what we're doing. I love our impact. And I, I love this moment of feeling like both of them are kind of arriving.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's get into Beyond Meat, of yeah. course. That's what everyone really wants to know about. Um, tell me how you even got started yeah. at Beyond Meat, yeah. because I think that in itself is pretty interesting.
0: So, yeah, well, it really goes back to... Um, so I have three sons three wonderful sons, my wife and I have three sons, um, and it's our sons uh, became vegetarian before our family did, and uh, my oldest son, when he was 10 years old, started to, he's, he's just a very um, creative, diversion thinker, and he started to ask questions that I didn't have good answers for, you know, why, are, why do we pet some animals and eat some other animals, uh, and, uh, and if we can meet our nutritional needs without killing animals, why wouldn't we do that, uh, and he convinced his two younger brothers to become vegetarian. Oh. <laughs> so, um, so my wife and I were you know, literally the last in the family to do this. But on my son's 13th uh, birthday, he had his bar mitzvah. And um, he, his Torah portion was all about the kosher preparation of animals. And it talks about not just that you should say a blessing before you kill an animal, but the whole um, design of kosher food is that you really have to separate life and death. You know, you shouldn't have milk and meat together because milk is life and and meat would be death. And and when you kill an animal, you should pour out all the blood for the blood is the life and you aren't supposed to combine life and death. And so he said, well, if you're concerned about not consuming life, don't kill the animal. And and, uh, so partially out of the passion he felt and partially um, because he was a 13 year old with who wasn't exactly fitting in, my wife and I said, let's become vegetarian to support him. And so we did, and uh, we haven't looked back. Um, but it wasn't always easy. It was, you know, uh, especially, you know, so we're bringing up the boys as they're going into teenage years, and they're like, Dad, you know, it's so lame when I wouldn't get invited to a cookout, and we have to bring veggie burgers, and the veggie burger falls through the grill, and, you know, and we can't have anyone over for cookouts, and it, you know, no one wants to come eat at our house. And, 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 and uh, you know, it was a, so, you know, that was like a real thing. And my wife, who... who Liked to cook. um, uh, Just felt like you know it's it's hard to make food for people the way we used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And so on her uh, birthday, uh, I won't say which one, but on her birthday in two thousand twelve. She read this article about this company getting started on the West Coast called Beyond Meat. Um, it hadn't yet launched in retail, but the, the vision was to transform the meat, ca- using plants only, mm-hmm. to transform the meat case so that it's no longer a meat case, but really it's just instead of you know hamburger and chicken breast and turkey breast, there'd be cow protein, chicken protein, and plant protein. Mm-hmm. And that uh, plants would be, plant protein would be part of that continuum. And she said at the time, if this company ever were to succeed, it would be the best birthday present ever. <laughs> and so uh, I sent an email to info at beyondmeet.com. Right,
1: to info at beyondmeet.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs>
0: and I said, you know, I read this article. I know a lot about scaling a mission-driven business. I've certainly learned enough. Um, if there's any way I can help, let me know. And. and uh, they emailed back within you know 24 hours saying we need help and uh, <laughs> uh, and so I you know went out and met um, the founders loved loved them loved their approach loved their humility loved their um, mindset. Uh, became an investor, board member, and then when I when I was growing on as tea, I was very fortunate to have some wonderful mentors. One of whom was Gary Hersberg, the CEO of Stonyfield Farm Yogurt. And mm-hmm. um, Gary and I would every every second Friday we'd just check in and just I had I, I would always have a list of things to talk about. And so I started to do that with Ethan, uh, and uh, we started doing it every Friday, and then it's we went to every other day, and it was just felt like there's a lot of things going on, and, yeah. and, and what was interesting about when I joined Beyond Meat was the board and the investor base. It was all finance and tech people, and mm. there were no food people, <laughs> and so um, I brought a lot of yeah. that knowledge, and I, I certainly have grayer hair than I had when I joined, but I just felt like I was sort of I had that experience, the gray hair in the room, to say, okay, here's how we handle this, here's how we handle that, and it was uh, useful and helpful, and, and uh, as I said, when I joined the company, the sales were less than a million dollars, so it's grown quite a bit since then. And I've just... Um, it's, for me, just a great... I don't want to say it's a second act because I haven't concluded the first act, but it's a great next additional chapter.
1: Yeah. And so, obviously, you saw a lot of parallels between some of the, the production distribution challenges you probably faced with Honesty. Yeah. And how yeah. different is is... Is the, I know it's a very different product, obviously. Yeah, but, but there's yeah, so different?
0: much that's in common. It really, I mean, yes, there's two really different approaches to food. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what we talk about, Honesty, is about kind of the undoing of food. It's simple, transparent supply chains, authentic ingredients. And what we're doing at Beyond Meat is about a redoing of food. It's using plants to recreate a category, recreate a product. But both are, you know, in order to succeed, both need great taste. Both need transparency and authenticity in terms of the way we communicate what's in the ingredients. And then we both have to have a a health impact that's better for the consumer and a better environmental impact. So, all of those are true and consistent. Um, And then, you know, a lot of production is, you know, can we develop our supply chain? Can we make sure we have enough? I mean, it sounds simple. Of course, it gets more complicated. But, um, you know, a lot of it is, it's just the basic, like, can we, one of the best things that's happened at Beyond Meat is that um, as we were growing, we needed a sales leader, and I, um, I reached out to the, the, the person who had been our, in charge of sales at Honest Tea, and he's a, um, he would say, he's kind of a, he's a, a, a New Jersey guy who used to drive a Coke truck, very, um, you know, sort of brass tacks common sense, and I brought him out to California, and he's our chief growth officer, and he's just been killing, I mean, our, you, we've talked about our sales, you know, we grew threefold in the first quarter over the previous year so. It's been wonderful to have uh, this Chuck Muth is his name mm-hmm. and have him come out. And so a lot of what we're doing is the. the it's a pretty straightforward playbook.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so tell me about the decision and the thinking that... That led up to to the big moment this May uh, last month uh, with the IPO.
0: Yeah, and I'll just contrast it with Honest Tea. So Mm -hmm. with Honest Tea, you know, for the first 10 years, we raised all our money from angel financing. Uh, It was $10 million total that we raised. And most of the the money we raised, um, most of our R&D at Honest Tea was literally in a kitchen, a kitchen counter, you know, no bigger than this. Uh, and I was I started I was the original R&D person and then we had another you know someone who graduated from University of Maryland in food science and he sort of did the next piece of it um it was pretty simple um what we're doing at Beyond Meat is much more complicated we are we they just to contrast what we're doing at Beyond Meat versus what's you know the the, our predecessors so Mm -hmm. the veggie burgers um are basically just um, mushing together different ingredients and saying that's a veggie burger. And, and, and I think the results, at least in my view, weren't satisfying. I know, at least for my family, weren't satisfying. Mm-hmm. And what we do at Beyond Meat is we start from a much deeper question, which is what is, what is meat? Um, literally, physically, chemically, you know, phys- uh, what is it? And, and really, it's, a, it's a, an architecture of meat. Is, is it's a, amino acids that form the proteins. It's lipids that form the fats. 70% water, some trace minerals and carbohydrates. And, and the, the magic of meat, what gives it its taste, is the art, is the way it's put together. And so let's understand that more deeply, more profoundly than anyone else and, and put a, together a, a research and development project. We call ours the Manhattan Beach Project mm-hmm. because the, we want to, people to understand the scale um, and approach. And so we have 63 scientists and engineers all going after that. That is a much Deeper and bigger um, investment, and so uh, Beyond Meat had raised over 150 million dollars mm-hmm. in its first uh, 10 years. So that that's what it took to, to scale the business to where it was. Um, and we we have a great group of supportive investors that um, smart, supportive. But we also recognize there's at some point they're going to you know want to get an exit, and we had to think about we're trying to build a global protein company. We want international scale, and that's going to take more resources, and so do we, wanna, we, we knew we would need to raise money at some point, and then the question is, who do we raise it from? Do we go back out to our investors? Who, who would have been supportive? Uh, but we also felt like we were ready to cross over into a much broader audience. And so we looked at the terrain, and, you know, there haven't been a lot of food IPOs. In the past 10 years, there's been only five food IPOs, so it certainly wasn't the most common option um, but we felt like we were checking a lot of the boxes that you know, made sense for the public markets. One was the growth. Mm-hmm. One was the, the a line of sight toward profitability. Uh, one was that we had a proprietary advantage. Um, so you know, if, if we were just making a product others could copy easily, then you know, it wouldn't necessarily be good to attract that much attention. But, and then we started to go talk to the public markets. We went to meet with fund managers around the country it's called testing the waters. It, there's a whole process to it. And we heard very profoundly that there was an appetite for this from the investors, mm-hmm. not just the growth, which you know most publicly traded food companies aren't growing. Uh, well, just, <laughs> they certainly aren't growing the way Beyond Meat has been yeah. growing. Um, the other thing I, I, I noticed, and I didn't share this, but before I launched Honest Tea, I'd worked in what's called socially responsible investing. And today is referred to as ESG investing, environmental and social uh, and governance um, criteria for investing. And as I talked to those investors, um, I realized they really didn't have many options to invest in. Uh, If you're concerned about having a positive impact through investments, most of what they're trying to do is invest in companies that are doing less harm. Mm. And there are very few options they could invest in that are doing, you know, proactively supporting health and sustainability. So we really understood that this was an area where there would be an appetite for investors as well. And so we said, let's let's do this.
1: Yeah. And so you just... Make the decision uh, happens last month, um, and I read this last night on on Market, Market Watch, um, which I don't think many people knew this data point. Uh, this, according to this, this article, uh, I think it's it's information data from Data Logic. This is the the biggest popping IPO for any U.S. company raising more than 200 million since the Palm, Inc. IPO in the year 2000, which was at the height of the dot-com boom.
0: Huh, interesting. interesting.
1: Well, for a plant-based food company. Yeah.
0: Uh, for me, what's exciting about it all is this is, as I said, a breakthrough moment for this community. It helps all of us, whether you're a consumer, a, an entrepreneur, an investor, it helps legitimize this idea that this is not a fringe, this is mm-hmm. not... Uh, sort of a, um, a, a bunch of, <laughs> whatever, peop, you know, sort of a, a, a small group Hippies of people. point Yeah, whatever you want to call it, whatever demeaning thing we've been called over the years. It's not that. It's This is a mainstream approach to changing our food system, to changing uh, the, the way people eat. And mm-hmm. what's been so gratifying, just in the weeks that we've done it, I, as I said, I've been in Europe, and I've heard such higher level of, of awareness and interest from, from, you know, places I had no idea were hearing about it. And so uh, I just think it is, I do think it's a step change. I think we'll be able to look back on this moment and say, this was when plant protein, yeah. it, you know, the, 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 the grocery stores understood they had to move, the restaurants understood they had to move, and even consumers who never imagined they would be consuming plant protein as part of their diet understood yeah. that this is, this is a very accessible option and I and to put it in a broader historical context and I don't want to get too metaphysical here but I'd love to see this be the first generation in human evolution literally to separate the notion of uh, until now everyone has assumed when you talk about meat we talk about it coming from an animal and instead can we think about meat and define it by its composition rather than by its origin and in the arc of human evolution that would be a pretty powerful moment and I think that is something that could happen.
1: Yeah, I mean I mean that is uh that has been the vision since the beginning of Beyond Meat, and I must say that. Um, so how have things changed internally at the yeah. company post-IPO? Most people think, well, this is the company's gone public. This is a new beginning. This isn't an endpoint in any means. Yeah. Uh you've you've got all this enthusiasm. I mean, I could put up a chart of the stock price that, that would just it's ridiculous. Let's yeah. it's beyond ridiculous. It's amazing. <laughs> um how, how is the mood now? How is the culture? It's,
0: it's you know, um, it was fun to come here to the NASDAQ and have this moment, all of us, and sort of say, this is our, sh-. It's, like, it's like a coming out party for a child and to sort of sh- show your child to the world. And, and in this case, to have that child welcomed is, is a wonderful feeling. Uh, and then it's back to work. You know, we, we it's, so it's a milestone. It's by no means an mm-hmm. end point. Um, we got a lot of work to do. We have a lot of demand. And so we have to make sure we have enough product, which, you know, we didn't have for the past two summers, and that was painful, and we mm-hmm. really worked hard to make sure we have the capacity to, to meet the demand. And, um, you know, what I tell our team, and, 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 and Ethan says the same, which is don't pay attention to these. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. fun to know someone out there is talking on some TV show about it. We have to... We know our value as a business is going to be defined by our ability to, to, to execute the business. It's not it's not uh, if there's, there's going to be days where it's going to you know, go up or down mm-hmm. based on nothing we do and there's going to be days when we do something amazing in the business and it's not going to react and so we just have to keep creating value, keep building the business. And we we have always looked at this as a very long-term. And, and on the earnings call we had this week, I said yeah. we're not going to report quarterly guidance. What a, a lot of companies think about is how to quarter to quarter, and that just leads to short-term decision-making. And, mm-hmm. and when we think about where this business is and where it can be, we're thinking, you know, 5, 10, 20 years out. And so to think about what's going to happen over the next few months is not going to lead to the best decisions. And mm-hmm. so we have to be long-term in our thinking.
1: Yeah. So you can you can only focus on what you can control. That's it. What the market does is kind of up to them and yeah. not really up to you. So tell us, what can you control and what's next or <laughs> beyond me?
0: What we can control is our ability to continue to drive improvement. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we I, a lot of people love the burger. It's wonderful. Um, but we are always challenging ourselves to improve. And, and so, you know, our first product um, when I joined the company was the chicken strip. We just discontinued that mm-hmm. uh, a few months ago because... While it was good um, seven years ago for where the industry was, you know we you know by now we're embarrassed it's just not as good as the rest of our products. And so uh, we are just now converting our first version of the burger to what we call it. We don't like to use the word 2.0, but it is a... And We don't like to use the words new and improved, but we're just continuing yeah. to think about how do we improve that. Uh, and then we look at other products. We have launched uh, up in Canada a uh, uh, breakfast sausage patty that many say is our best product yet, so um, we're excited about that. We have um, at uh, Expo West, we introduced what's called a, a ground beef product. It's a, it's a ground, you know, one-pound ground, uh, ground. So it would be like using ground protein just uh, sold in a loaf. Um, and then we're going to continue to look at how we can... Um, bring out innovations to meet some of the QSR customers out there, mm-hmm. and um, the goal is to both grow in scale, grow in accessibility, and then the next level of innovation comes when how do we how do we work on the price curve, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we know intuitively and intrinsically, this product over a long period of time should be able to underprice meat. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not, obviously not where it is today, but if you think about what we're doing, instead of having to grow a cow for eighteen months and all the land and water and Hormones and antibiotics associated with that, we can grow plants, you know, and convert them into mm-hmm. meat. So how do we um, scale the business to the point where we can start to be price competitive? And, and that's something, you know, so that's a longer, deeper project. But all of these things, are what's so exciting about where we are is all of those things are possible. Mm. You know, there's not something about meat that is unknown, that is magical, that, that can't be uh, replicated with plants.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I used, to, I used to work in the tech industry, and I, I was telling you this earlier before we got started, is that since the beginning, Ethan, would, when I, mean, I would compliment him on the, on the product, he'd say, you just wait for the next one. Yeah. And, and it's just like, at least celebrate your current one. <laughs> we're really uh, tough.
0: We're really tough on ourselves. We have to be, because as much as um, it's exciting to see these improvements, and yeah. it is the great little moments of celebration, you know, the customer we're going after is that is a meat-eater. Mm-hmm. And, and so it has to be... We, what's nice about where we are is we don't have some sort of elusive target. We know exactly what we're trying to replicate. Mm-hmm. And so we just keep going, you know. And, and the other thing, of course, is that what we're trying to replicate is static. You yeah. know, the, the cow has evolved. It's not really evolving mm-hmm. any... You know, the only thing that's evolving in, around that is, you know, can they grow faster? Can you grow them I mean, all the, all the stuff that people don't really want to see yeah. evolve. So so for us, we have a, st- a target, and we're just getting closer with every iteration.
1: Yeah. The most recent innovation I saw I've been reading about around um, making uh, animal agriculture more sustainable is that if you feed red seaweed to cows, they produce they less yeah. methane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, a good, it's a good step, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in the context of uh, – in the bigger context, it's tiny, though. Yeah. Um, so we're at an interesting point in history, right? Um, I know you're driven by food sustainability um, in a big way. And by most estimates, we are at a point where we probably have 10 to 15 years, and some estimates even less than that, yep. to really make some drastic changes and yeah. take some action so yeah. we can avert a cra- climate crisis. Yeah. And you know, some people say it's already too late, but I, yeah. I, I don't agree with that necessarily. And food seems to be like the a, like a most powerful, easy way to do that. People Absolutely. eat, everyone eats three yeah. times a day at least, or more sometimes. And, of course, that's why you're on the business you are in. Um, and plant-based foods are, are transforming the meat aisle, the dairy aisle. It's, it's happening across retail and food service. Yeah. You know, Beyond Meat Story is just one. It's maybe, maybe leading the way of a much bigger trend. And the fact that we have this expo is a good sign of that, too. Uh, across categories. Do you think the shift is happening fast enough? What can we do ac- to yeah. accelerate it?
0: Yeah, so first, just to, to, to build a little bit, when we went out to investors, the way we sold the opportunities, we talked about what happened in plant-based dairy. And so, you know, of course, uh, if you look 20 years ago, the dairy case was just cow's milk. And um, it's not that soy milk had Soy milk's been around for centuries or, you know, longer, um, but it was only when you, when companies like Silk took soy milk, packaged it, and merchandised it adjacent to its analog, that it grew, you know, depending on who you talk to, thirteen to fourteen percent of the dairy category is uh, plant-based. Mm-hmm. In the meat category, until we got into it, uh, less than one percent of the category was plant-based. And our playbook is very much the same as what the folks in the in the da- plant-based dairy did. We package it, well, we create an analog that's comparable, we package it and merchandise it in the meat section adjacent to its analog, and we think that, yes, uh, within a matter of years we'll get to that thirteen to fourteen percent. but I actually think, it could happen even more quickly because we do, you know, um, I would say that the science around um, uh, plant-based dairy is relatively simple, it's, uh, whereas with the science around the meat, is much more, it's much deeper. Um, so I, I think, and I, do, I, I, I really do think this is a moment where it can accelerate. And so, you know, certain things take a long time, and then they take a really short time. And one of the great examples is what happened with plastic straws. I mean, plastic straws have been around for a long time. The impact of plastic straws have been around for a long time. But basically, within a summer, mm. all of a sudden, they, they people switch their behavior. Um, and so I think, you know, uh, obviously veggie burgers have been around a long time. Plant-based protein has been around a long time. But I think with this level, with the raising of awareness, um, and what we're going to see over the ensuing months with, you know, large restaurant chains coming on board, it will very quickly move... Uh, up to a heightened level of consciousness and trial, mm-hmm. um, I'm. I'm. You know, I wouldn't be in this if I weren't an optimist. But I, I, really do think we're going to see some profound changes in the way people eat over the next few years.
1: Yeah, and as an industry, what do you think we can do better to to support for companies to yeah. look at Beyond Meat as an example yeah. leading the way? But there's so, this. This is the wide and diverse yeah. industry full yeah. of all kinds of products. Yeah. What can What can the industry do as a whole to to make sure that we, we, we get over some of the challenges that lay ahead of us yeah. and we support each other too, to get yeah. to that point where we can avert this crisis using food.
0: Yeah, so I, I think this, this, um, this meeting here, this whole uh, convention is a great example of raising awareness, educating people, spreading the word. Um, for entrepreneurs, it is helping them to both get the funding to scale their businesses, but I also, and this is, you know, I, I think a, a hope and important lesson here is we have to hold ourselves to a really high bar so um, taste matters, packaging matters, branding matters. Don't, uh, you know, the, the, the veggie burgers of the previous, sort of the 1.0 of veggie burgers did not help our movement. I used to joke that the veggie burger was a conspiracy by the meat industry to discourage people <laughs>
1: from becoming vegetarian,
0: because <laughs> a, a meat eater would taste it and say, ah, I don't really want, I, I was at a camp once, I was, just after I started working with Beyond Meat, I was telling the kids, that I help um, sell, you know, I, I tried to explain plant-based protein, went, what's that? Veggie burgers, they went, like that can't, you can't have people react that way. So we have to hold ourselves to a a high standard. It has to taste as good or better. Um, Mm. And and I think that too often we've marketed, and I'll put myself in this category, we've marketed to the true believers Mm. who will make the sacrifice. Um, That's what we, you know, my family did. And so one of the um, um, slogans we trademarked at Beyond Meat is eat what you love uh, because we want people to make our, the products as accessible mm-hmm. as they can. Uh, and so I, I, I do think we have to collectively raise the bar.
1: Yeah, and what do you think from a standpoint of... So now you you're obviously have the spotlight on you, you know, literally at the moment, but, um, but you have the public markets looking at you. I, I yeah. love nothing more than reading... Um, uh, the finance press analyzed the plant-based market yeah. because it's, uh, they didn't even know it existed and now yeah. they're experts in it. Um, and so it's, it's fascinating, but to what extent do you think you have a sense of responsibility to not just aim for your true north, which is to, as you said, replicate yeah. meat, just use it yeah. plants, um, but also improve on meat yeah. to make it, make yeah. it healthier. Sure. I and, mean, of course, there's some aspects of Beyond Meat that inherently make it healthier yeah. than meat. Yeah. Um, but, so, yeah, what do you think yeah. the future so, is on that? So,
0: so first of all, I, that sense of responsibility is, is profound. I mean, I, even with Honest Tea, you know, I was determined to show that, you know, you can do the right thing and still deliver for investors. So, uh, you know, uh, when we went organic, when we went fair trade, these are all things that make our product cost more. Uh, and yet they were what actually contributed to the value of what we're doing. And at Beyond Meat, we absolutely take seriously and and are 100% confident that we can, from where we are, we can continue to both improve the taste, but also the nutritional profile. We know the sodium can come down in our product. Um, The other thing we can do is uh, environmental footprint. I mean, we're already at a a significant um, advantage. We did a life cycle analysis, you know, peer-reviewed we found that our product uses 99% less water, 93% less land uh, compared to a beef burger. So those are already, you know, dramatic. But um, our package... (laughs) Thank you. Um, But our our packaging is bulky, Mm -hmm. and, and we know that. And so we know we can improve that. Um, we also know that um, you know right now we have a, a, we're, we're growing products, we grow some some of the ingredients in in Europe, we grow some of the ingredients in the United States. but we can we can be, as we scale this around the world, the goal is to be able to source uh, crops from every biome that we produce and every every biome around the world has plants that produce protein. And will we be able to just use the local crop? and mm-hmm. can we be plant agnostic? We use peas right now because that's the only um, crop that's really been scaled, but there, it's it's by no means are we reliant just on the pea to be able to, to make this product.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh the, the next few years are going to be uh, interesting as, um, and I think the fact that you have big food companies, and I think you said that on the earnings call as well, is that as you have Nestle and Tyson and whoever else decides to get into the space and launch burgers and other products, um, it doesn't really change what you're doing. No. Like, tell me about, no, like, we're that... we're always...
0: We have to hold you – know, once again, I said I know what, what our target is. That's what we're going after. And so, yeah. you know, I love to say, um, you know, a, 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 a sailor or um, doesn't steer by the, the other boats. You steer by the stars. And mm-hmm. we know where our true north is. And so yeah. that's where we're going. And we'll, the others are going to do what they're going to do. Uh, you know, and I'll just say one thing just around the health profile because people say, well, your product has fat. Yes, burger. You know, meat has fat. Mm-hmm. And our goal, we're not going to sell a meat-free burger. That is <laughs> – No, so so what we have done is we have you know less than half the saturated fat of a burger and we'll probably Mm -hmm. be able to cut that down further but um what we also will be able to do and we've just done this with our uh, for example um we keep working on the pd score which is the protein Mm -hmm. sort of uh, 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 availability and we'll keep working on that kind of thing so we we know we can make these products nutritionally superior to to what we're going against but uh, once again without a, a taste sacrifice
1: great Um, All right, I'm going to ask one final question, a forward-looking one. Um, I was talking about the fact that we'd really need to avert the climate crisis, hopefully using food. But um, by most estimates, we're going to be about 9.8 billion people on the planet by the year 2050. If you don't get it right, things are going to be pretty bad in 2050. So I don't want to ask about the the, the worst-case scenario. Let's talk about the best-case scenario. If Beyond Meat succeeds... And this whole movement of companies that are creating a more sustainable, healthy, yeah. better food future succeed. What's your vision for the food industry in the year right. 2050? Well,
0: so, so let's first think about the developing world. I mean, one of the things where we, it's so exciting is we have the chance to help um, whole, I don't know, whole continents, but certain parts of the world leapfrog a domesticated livestock industry. So when you go to Bangladesh, you don't see telephone poles. Mm. They just went right to the cell phone. Yeah. And, um, you know, the planet will not support 9 billion people, let alone 7 or even 5 billion people, eating uh, an animal-based protein diet the way we do in the United States. And so if we are able to scale this business the way we, we'd we like to, uh, we'd love to see plant-based protein become available. And, and, the, and the reason it, it um, you know, maybe there's been some resistance is because with economic rising expectations, at least, you know, I, I spent, I lived in China back in the um, 80s, there was a meat Animal meat was a symbol of you know you affluence that you've mm-hmm. got to get there, um, but it, it it shouldn't be that the I, I believe no one in the world has the mindset that I need to get my food from animals. Um, they they have the mindset I need great tasting food that's going to meet my nutritious and, nutrition and dietary needs, and so if though if you can meet your needs and and, and uh, with a product that is as satisfying from plants, then there's really not a, a trade-off. And so can we help? Um, people get to plant-based protein much earlier in, in sort of the mindset and, and make those available around the world. So from a developing world perspective, that's where you are. And then in the, um, here, and I would say more you know, modern or fully industrialized companies, it's getting to plant-based protein to be a much more regular part of the diet. And I'll just share this shift in mindset, and, and maybe many in this room have said, we've got to get more people to be vegan. If I, you know, I love vegans and vegetarians. I'm being one myself. Um, but... I don't know that that's realistic. And I've, you know, I've heard certain people say they want to ban the meat or you know, eliminate the meat industry. I just don't know that that's realistic. Mm-hmm. But if, instead of, um, if what we can do instead is get everyone to have more plant-based meals, um, that is, that's far more powerful when we think about scale than getting, just the pure, getting more purists out there. And so um, I think we're at the very beginning of this, of this movement, and, and it's going to be so exciting and, I think, gratifying to see what's going to happen in just the next few years.
1: Well, thank you, Seth Goldman. This has been absolutely a pleasure. Thank you, thank you all. Thank you all. You've been listening to Eat for the Planet with Nil Zacharias. If you enjoyed this conversation and would like to show your support, please subscribe to the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. To learn more about how Eat for the Planet can help your brand or organization develop the right strategy, implement scalable operations, and grow responsibly, visit eftp.co. That's eftp.co. Let's rise up to the challenge of transforming our food system. Thank you for listening.
2: My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up
0: the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say.